to Ashamed of Thrones, your weekly podcast recap of HBO's Abomination, A Game of Thrones. Uh, this week, uh, me and Brian will be breaking down episode two, titled Home. So uh, let's get this started. Uh, what did you think of the episode, Brian? Overall, I thought this was a pretty good episode. Um, definitely a huge upgrade after the last episode. Saw a lot of action, some interesting scenes, definitely advanced the story. Answered some questions, set up some new conflicts, and also uh, had a few surprises. But most importantly, no Sans Ganks. <laughs> I agree. I I have to say, uh, I enjoyed this episode. Uh, that's hard for me to say, once again, because I take the... Uh, I guess we got like a bad cop, worse cop uh, dynamic going on on this show. Uh, but I sure. really have to say that I, I kind of had fun watching this episode. Um, so, yeah, I, I give it an overall thumbs up. And it's definitely much better than last week. Uh, once again, the caveat being that last week was a place setting table or a table setting uh, episode, but still feel they could have given us a little bit more besides the fact that uh, Melisandre's boob sag when she takes off the ne- necklace. So <laughs> the most, uh, yeah, well, we won't go back to that. Just the dumbest reveal. Who really gives a shit? Yeah, exactly. Who cares? Okay. So uh, we start off in the root cellar with uh, old man and uh, Noel Gallagher from Oasis warging. Uh, their eyes well, are all white. I don't know. He's plugged into the tree matrix. It yeah, looks like. I guess it's all it's all part of the same thing, I guess, because, uh, you know, he's able to warg into a wolf uh, mm-hmm. and see through the eyes of a wolf. Maybe he's seeing through the eyes of the tree, or at least that's how they display it in the books. Um, so, but I don't know whose eyes he's seeing out of, you know, when we go into this particular flashback, which is to Winterfell. Um, maybe the book, you know, the show doesn't have to keep to the books nonsense about you know, being around the heart tree, which is all the flashbacks we are um, privy to, at least in the book so far. I don't think he was looking through someone else's eyes. It looked more like a Scrooge situation where he was, <laughs> yeah. you know, the this ghost a of Christmas type. past was taking him around uh, to see what had, what had occurred. I yeah, can, he can just pop off wherever he wants and just check it out. Yeah, that's what it seems like, and that's fine with me. Mm-hmm. I, I, that's a small little detail. Yeah, who cares? But they're seeing uh, Winterfell, and we are introduced to, uh, you know, Ned kicking the shit out of Benjen, uh, and they're both little kids, and Lyanna, their older sister, who we know meets a tragic end, uh, comes, uh, you know, riding into the yard, circling him, showing off on a horse. So I think they introduced Lyanna here because in uh, next week's, uh, episode or the previous for next week's episode, we see the Tower of Joy scene, which uh, obviously has a lot to do with Leanna, and a lot of uh, show walkers might not know who the hell that is. So I think they wanted to plant that seed there. All right. Sure. Uh, so what I really liked about this scene was uh, we got to see old Nan and Hodor, whose real name is Willis, and supposedly he wasn't uh, all Hordored. <laughs> Hodor didn't get Hordor yet, uh, let's say it that way. So he must have suffered some kind of uh, trauma or some kind of injury uh, to be in the mental or the physical state he's in now where he can never say anything other than Hodor and can't perform complex um, tasks like fighting. Sure. I mean, he was a stable boy, so you would think that he got hit in the head with a hoof, but we don't really know. And I don't think there's been any indication yet of what That was my assumption, but I think if he would have got hit in the head with a hoof, Bran would have probably known about that. I think everybody would have known. They would have used it as like a cautionary tale. Be careful around hmm. horses because you could get hit in the head and end up all Hodor. Yeah, that is strange. I don't know why they haven't brought it up yet. I don't know. I but. think it's just one of these mysteries that they're planting in our head just to get us to talk about things, and uh, that's sure. exactly what we're doing. But... uh 
Okay, so we go back under the tree, and uh, the Three-Eyed Crow basically introduces the idea that you can warg or go back in time too long and uh, basically lose yourself. Now, this is an idea that was uh, proposed in the books by Jojen when uh, Bran was going into his wolf all the time. But mm-hmm. we really didn't see that as far as being plugged into the tree net um, as he's doing now. I mean, it seems like in the in the book, the Three-Eyed Crow can't leave the tree net. He's just tree net all the time. Sure. It's funny that Brand said finally showed show something interesting, um, and I wondered what the hell they've been doing for. Uh, it seems like years at this point that he's been in the Tree Matrix. Right. So you we know, have no so idea what, what have they've been doing for all this time. Yeah, we have no idea what the uh, the uh, level of time or the amount of time that has passed in the show. Because obviously, Brand has grown another whatever two feet in height uh, and has aged up pretty good. But uh, I. Are we to believe it's like been the next week after they arrived when Jojen got killed and, uh, you know, they arrived or has it been some time and the three eyed crow has been showing him all sorts of dumb crap, like past King's moots <laughs> yeah, or seeing some Dorn. Yeah. Um, or anything happening in Dorn. Yeah. But Mira looks the same more or less than she did the last time we saw her. I agree. I wrote down about this scene that I really enjoyed the theme music. Uh, there's like this, this, I don't know, it's a new uh, thematic uh, melody that's been underlined, and I feel like I heard it before, but it might have been related to Bran, which we haven't seen last season, so I forgot about it anyway. I thought it was a nice touch. But they decided... I don't, to, I don't remember that. Yeah, uh, but it, it's nice. If you watch the scene again, the the music or the melody is is quite... It's a motif, so they're gonna... I felt like it's been uh, put forward before and we're repeating it, and I don't know if it's Bran's motif or what, but uh, then they go outside... Um, and Mira's all down in the dumps because, you know, her brother died and she feels useless and all that nonsense. And she's bored as fuck. Yeah, it seems boring. What are you going to do? Uh, and, but Watch these idiots lay in a tree for days on end. Yeah, and it's not like you can see anything. And they can't even, no. like, tell you what they're looking at. It's not like, oh, shit, you should see it. My, you know, my dad's no, a little and came awesome. out and was like, I saw, I saw my aunt. If, why would she give a shit yeah. what you saw? Yeah. Lisa, come back to me when you see something cool. And then one of the cre- the creeps of the forest tells her she needs to help him out. And he needs her, right? And, and, and then she says that how. he needs her. So once again, her identity as a woman is defined by her relationship to a man. Uh, but more importantly, uh, it's the new sexier ch- child of the forest. <laughs> like <laughs> this, this child of the forest has some DSLs. Uh, you know, looks like you know more kind of like a sexy exotic woman as opposed to. Uh, a small, weird elf child thing like we saw in, uh, I think it was season four. Um, and Doug, this is a larger complaint that I have about some of the things that you say in general is you combine the words sexy and children in sentences way too often. <laughs> well, I mean, it just it just flows. There's just a natural flow to that. Sure, sure. But uh, she implies, the child of the forest uh, implies that Bran will not stay there forever, meaning he's going to go leave physically. Like, I just assume that um, he was going to stay in the tree forever and then manipulate, you know, animals and other people from his werewood throne under the ground. Sure. Uh, but so he- at first, the first time I watched this, this scene, I thought it was really interesting as I was excited, but then I went back and watched it a second time and I realized it didn't really do anything as far as moving brand story forward. Um, it just, it ended up leaving with more questions. I, I still like the scene because, at least it's leading somewhere, eventually leading to Bran being involved in, in this Game of Thrones. But um, I just it didn't it didn't move the needle on the second uh, viewing, I thought. 
No, but once again, he was left out of last episode, so we can basically call this a table-setting episode as well. This is where sure. Bran is. This is what's happening, because he didn't get mm-hmm. that opportunity last episode. Um, so I'll, I'll forgive it that nothing happens here. I won't forgive it in other scenes that will come up. Spoiler alert. And by the way, uh, yeah, we spoil everything, so if you don't want spoilers, you shouldn't have been listening for the past five minutes, and you definitely should continue to listen. We will, just, we will spoil your next hour to an hour and a half if you continue to listen. That's yeah, thing. but just just leave here, don't listen, subscribe on iTunes, but mm-hmm. never listen. And use the code DUG at <laughs> MeUndies.com. MeUndies, Modell. Sure. Loftus Fabric. Okay. Um, yeah, that's all I have to say. I'm just really curious as to... The fact that the child of the forest implied that Bran's going to leave the cave at some point. Why would he leave? Is he going to ride a dragon? What the fuck's going to happen? I, I don't know. That that to me uh, sparked more questions than it answered. Uh, sure. And I don't have anything else to say about the scene other than that. I'm really curious. Same here. All right. Where do we go next? So next we go to the Night's Watch, and Thorn keeps on trying to get in to get the body of Jon Snow, which he still hasn't explained exactly why. Other than the concern that he might become a white, because really, Alistair Thorne should have no clue that the Red Woman could potentially resurrect Jon Snow. Right, but if he and, had a major concern that dead bodies could turn into whites anyway, he wouldn't be against Jon Snow in principle as a whole, I would think. Sure, sure. So, I had the great line from Davos, the, the Alistair and his goons start banging at the door with a giant hammer type thing. Davis has the great line about never being much of a fighter that we saw in the season preview. And it just reminded me, I think Davis is probably the best character on the show, or at least my favorite character on the show. Yeah, he's turned into a John McClane from Die Hard. He's just like, well, yippee ki motherfuckers. He has, this <laughs> exactly. very, like, he has this very, like, he's all about it. He's just like, well, I'm not easily intimidated, and I do whatever the fuck I want. You know what I mean? And he has this kind of, like, swagger. Uh, it's kind of like, funny. Yeah, it's kind of funny. I'm enjoying it. Uh, it's a departure, but I, I, I'm enjoying it. Once again, this is one of the things that, uh, you know, I, I mm-hmm. it's a change from the books, and I actually enjoy it. The He's just a charming character. I want to see sure. more Davos all the time. So that's so, great. So uh, Thorne and the gang keep uh, banging on the door. You see that little shit, Ollie, just waiting <laughs> to stab somebody back there. I hate that kid. Did he have, a, did then, he have uh, like a knife out or anything? Hey, you know he did. Little jerk. <laughs> Um, so then you, you start hearing uh, a lot of pounding and of course, one, one in the wildlings step into the party and disrupt the whole scene. And, uh, it's kind of a standoff between the two sides. Uh, and then, uh, the, probably the dumbest man in night's watch in yeah. Archer shoots a, uh, an arrow at one, one, he grabs the guy and smashes him, which is, that was incredible. I mean, that was a, just a very menacing, incredible visual. Uh, that was maybe my favorite moment of the entire. Okay, I'm episode. gonna have to disagree with you. I'm gonna have to. Oh, uh, yeah. I wrote that. I, I I was pissed off that there was no battle. The fact that this was just all uh, bullshit. Uh, that there wasn't a conflict. Um, after it was building towards a conflict, uh, and there was a lot of problem with the scene in general because all right, so the Night's Watch, which easily flipped on John and and aligned with Alistair Thorne is easily giving up after seeing a giant, which I imagine some of them probably saw a giant before and saw one get killed during the assault on the wall two seasons ago. Um, and, uh, and, uh, what's this guy? The, the main, uh, ginger badass. Tormund giant Spain. Tormund's giant Bane fucking like slit some guy up, uh, from uh, belly to, you know, belly to throat. Mm-hmm. 
and nobody joins in. Everybody's just waiting to see what happens. Uh, it just didn't. It just seemed like a lot of blue balling and just a way to stretch out John's resurrection for another episode. Uh, because nothing really happens. They could have done this without the Wildlings, or the Wildlings could have just come back in uh, the same episode. Like, it just didn't seem like this was needed. Now, as far as the giant smashing the guy's brain, and, and visually that looked amazing, but they they couched it in a comical scene. It was, like, darkly comical, but it was still too comical for my liking. Um but where we get to the following scene, there's another giant that smashes another guy's head in, and I thought that was done much more menacingly and much more uh, disturbingly. Uh, I thought it was more effective. Sure, I, I disagree with it. I mean, I think this is setting up the uh, what we saw in the um, we saw in the season trailer or the the preview where there is the apparently the wildling army going against another army. Initially, we thought it might have been the Night's Watch, but it turns out it looks like it's going to be. The Wildling Army versus most likely Ramsey Bolton. And also, I think the sheer numbers, the surprise of the Wildling Army. I mean, I agree that there probably should have been more of a conflict. And it, could have been a, wanted... it could have been a tiny skirmish. And then somebody yeah. said, stop. Like, that's all yeah. I needed. I just needed some blood to be spilt and a little bit of actual throwdown. Because otherwise, the Night's Watch are a bunch of fucking pussies. And they will be no good against the others if they do all this flip-flopping and they're scared of a goddamn giant. One giant. Uh, sure. They're not going to be any... They're going to be useless against the others. Um, to be fair, one one did smash. Juan Juan did pretty, smash, and we saw that. Pretty so scary. That's, that's. I mean, I, I'd be scared of it, but then again, you know. Sure. I just think these guys are a bunch of pussies. Um, so then there's an exchange between Dolores, Ed, Thorne, and Tormund, uh, Giant Spain. That was somewhat interesting. All the traitors get thrown in the hut, and uh, yeah, all he made a move, and I was hoping all would get run through. But oh yeah, hell yeah. Unfortunately, not. Uh, so. But uh, I think this scene does raise one thing that I, I didn't really think about is that Dolores Ed is is a really important character in the show. You say Dolores? Yeah, yeah isn't that a Dolores Ed or <laughs> it's Dolores? Dolores. Dolores is more of like an know. adjective to describe somebody who's like droll. I think. Dolores. 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 I don't know, man. I'll, I'll Wikipedia it while you're Ed talking with, about it. <laughs> Ed with two D's. He's a very important character, and I don't think he's gotten much due. I mean, he's been with, with Jon Snow at Hardhome. He snuck out return with his wildling army. He took over the wall during the attack of the wild, by the wildlings, survived the White Walker attack. That dude's pretty badass, and I don't think I've really considered that until this episode where he went and got the return with the army. Yeah, I mean, he's a completely different character in the books. In the books, he's like this guy who just, uh, he's like Eeyore, where he's down in the dumps. Uh, he makes mm -hmm. these, like fatalistic jokes and comments about how they're all doomed and he's like an old man um he's more of like a curmudgeon pal as opposed to one of his good friends but they the show has eliminated all his good friends uh both pip which i called a dollar said pip in the last episode that was a correction submitted by nobody because we have no listeners uh and <laughs> <laughs> i just picked it up when listening but pip and gren his really close friends got killed in the original assault on the wall uh two seasons ago so Gotcha. So they needed somebody, and I guess uh, since Sam isn't there, John needs a best buddy, uh, and that has fallen to Dollar Set. And it is Dollars. My Wikipedia is down. Said something about, oh, here we go. It says Dollaris, feeling or expressing great sorrow or distress. 
Okay, you call me. I mispronounced it. What do you no, want? No, no, no. It, I don't. It's it's not the mispronunciation. I just thought uh, his name sounded like Dolores. We can call him Dolores going forward. That's fine. That's fine. And okay. your trophy and your plaque are on the uh, on the on the mail for calling me out on that. All right, great. I'll, I'll shine him every night. Yeah, I bet you will. All right, so uh, okay. so they throw him into the the, uh, the cells. Are we done with this mm-hmm. for now? I think so. Okay, so uh, then we'll go to King's Landing, uh, and there's a bunch of party people doing some day drinking, uh, oh, which yeah. is always fun to do. It looks like maybe it's one or two in the afternoon, and everybody's just uh, you know pounding them. Uh, and where's morning, the Faith Militant? Uh, we haven't got. Why aren't to they this. smashing up kegs? Yeah, I don't know, uh, but at least I guess they haven't. Uh, you know, maybe this is an underground party or something. But anyway, this one guy who's particularly drunk is entertaining the entire crowd talking about, I assume, uh, Cersei's walk of shame and how he pulled out his huge dick and showed it to Cersei and she licked her lips. And everybody dude, thought it was that funny, dude right? hung That dude hung dong on the walk of shame, that's for sure. Yeah, but, uh, did okay, so then he goes into an alley, secluded alley, which is never a good idea <laughs> in any show where death is an option. And he's taking a piss, and lo and behold, the guy is hung. They put this prosthetic dick on him, and you see this shadow protrude from his, uh, I don't know, his sleeve for about another three inches. The guy obviously was mega hung, and he's pissing. And then he finishes up and turns around, and lo and behold, there's a big zombie behind him. And he, no, he doesn't finish. He turns around and pisses oh, on him. Oh, that's right. Strong. Yeah, thanks for the correction. Yeah. That is a correction. All right. And <laughs> uh, enjoy trophy? your trophy. <laughs> So the guy turns around all drunken like, and once again, this is a little bit of comedy, but uh, I didn't for once think it was comical. So I was like, oh my God, he's going to hurt this guy. And he just casually just kind of pushes the guy's head into the wall and the back of his head explodes, leaving gore and blood dripping from the wall. And because it was so dark, I think it, it was so awesome. Like it just seemed very, I don't know, seemed a lot more menacing to me than the previous giant head smashing scene see now this i didn't i didn't think that made any sense because what's he doing just what's robert strong just doing wandering around in these alleys where this guy's drinking Isn't he i supposed agree to be protecting cersei i agree yeah. so uh i don't know why he found out about the guy talking shit about cersei obviously he's there to punish the guy for talking shit about cersei because the only thing we know about this guy is he's there to destroy all of cersei's enemies right yeah, but is he, he's really going to go around and destroy everyone that hung their dong at her? I mean... Maybe. I think I just know. the ones that talk shit about it afterwards, which leads Talk shit, to, get hit. Yeah, talk shit, get that's hit, the, that's, the new, that's the new Lannister motto. Right. So, but but my question is, is how did Robert Strong find out about it? The only thing I can think about is in the next scene, he enters uh, Cersei's room and Cersei's threads are unraveling she's pulling threads out of her sleeve which i'm sure has a greater meaning which i don't care about um mm-hmm. but robert strong comes in and they pan up from his like uh greaves his like uh forearm uh armor and it's bloody and she sees it and looks up to him you know kind of content as if she sent him to silence that guy that's the uh only way i make sense of it that would actually make some sense then. Yeah, I see. I see what you're saying. But that guy must have been talking shit or telling that story like on the reg. Or she was just still pissed. That that particular instance from the Walk of Shame stood out to her so much. Oh yeah, maybe she said, that, "Hey, the guy with the big dick that I uh, I I might have licked my lips. Don't no, don't worry about that. Anyway, that guy with the big dick, go kill him. Yeah, because he's uh he whatever hurt my feelings. I don't know. I don't know either. 
Anyway, so uh, that actually transitions into the next scene where Cersei nicely. I'm sorry. Yeah, transitions excellently. Where uh, she Cersei attempts to go to Marcella's uh, funeral, right? But is presented or is prevented by uh, by the Kingsguard from leaving the Red Keep. You know, I it thought wasn't we were the Kingsguard. See... It was the Lannister household knights. If you know anything about anything, well, apparently I don't. So yeah, they were definitely Lannister guards. The Kingsguard all wear gold and uh, white cloaks, at least in the show. <laughs> Point of order. It was actually. <laughs> <laughs> but I thought we were going to see Bobby Strong smash again. And, I was and, hoping and, so. I yeah. everybody wanted it, and uh, I just wanted to see him take a giant sword and just like helicopter around and chop <laughs> all those guys in half at once. Yeah, you like, can see that, right? Yeah, I can see him like like he's holding up a giant like lawnmower and it's just <laughs> chopping yeah, dudes up. Just, helicoptering around at least take three dudes out in like one swipe that'd be amazing uh and, yeah. and i think they're teasing it because we will see uh him destroy or smash um but this is once again more uh blue balling which this show is all about blue balling and we'll get to that later um with ramsey but um it, yeah um for some I don't reason, think there was much else to that scene no cersei is just it shows her being more cowed or humbled um, by the walk of shame, because normally the Cersei I know and love would say, fuck you, um, I'm going. You're not going to be able to stop me. Uh, right? I don't know. Um, because, that, and this is the two scenes later, I don't know if she might look at it as an opportunity to manipulate Tommen, as she does in a couple of scenes. But then we cut to the funeral with uh, Tommen and his uncle daddy. So do you want to describe that scene? Yeah, it's not really a funeral because there's only two people in attendance, I guess. I guess you can have sure. a funeral with just two people. It's more like a wake. But uh, anyway, um, Tommen's hanging out with his dad, who doesn't know his dad, is Jamie. And Tommen's telling him... Is he him, still in the dark on that? Yeah, I think the only person who knew was Marcella, and she died immediately after uh, revealing that to us and to Jamie. So uh, I assume <laughs> that uh, Tommen still is unaware. I mean, his, his, his family, he knows that he's... Or he thinks he's his uncle, not his dad, so... Uh, there's a familiar relationship anyway, but anyway, he's an idiot. yeah, he is an idiot. Oh God. And I got to say in this scene, Tommen's crown was comically small. Like I'm talking tiny. And I think they did that, uh, for comedic effect as well. If you, if you weren't paying attention, go back and look, it looks like one of those, okay. uh, plastic cowboy party hats that people wear with like a, a string that wraps around their head to keep it tight. Sure. It, it looks incredibly small. There's no way that's the same crown that Robert wore. Anyway, give it a look. But uh, I'm very, I'm very disappointed I missed that. Yeah, you should just, just it go back great. and look. It's amazing. But uh, Tom is saying that he feels like maybe uh, Cersei ordered the death of Tristane. Of course, they can't find Tristane's killers. Once again, like nobody ever leaves the trace. This is a common theme through the show as well. Well, we can't find anybody. They did it and they got away with it scot free. Um, but then Tom and, oh, and it's e- it's even worse later. There's even a worse yeah, I know. that later. Uh, yeah, we'll get yeah, to I'm it. sorry. Go ahead. No, yeah. but I, I appreciate you bringing it up because I wanted to as well. But Tommen is feeling impotent as a king because he's saying, you know, you know, these people took my wife, they took my mom, and I didn't do anything. I feel like such a little bitch. And Jamie comforts him, um, uh, you know, I guess, and tells him to run along as soon as the uh, high uh, sparrow comes in. And Jamie has this, uh, you know, tr- in the scene where he's trying to intimidate the high sparrow, but failing miserably. Once again, uh, just showing how impotent jamie is as far as you know just being effective at all it doesn't seem like jamie's done anything effectively in a while sure uh, right 
Yeah, and I thought Thomas' character in this episode or in this scene, in the following scene, was all over the map. He goes from blaming his mom to right to blaming himself, and then you know, uh, yeah, Tom and and it's really it's I didn't like how. Actually, we'll get to it in the next scene. Why don't you go ahead and finish up this? All scene. right. So, uh, in the middle of Jamie threatening him with some with lots of words that uh, pretty meaningless. Yeah, the boring. priest beckons forth, uh, you know, soldiers from the shadows. Um, you know, and you know, it's just a standoff scene, and the priest basically makes a veiled threat, saying that you know, oh, you kill me, but we're nobody, but together we could topple an empire. Basically, I don't, think, I don't think that was a veiled threat. I mean, I think that was pretty out and out threat. Well, I know, but he doesn't say we're going to take over this motherfucker. Sure. You know, he doesn't outright say it. But, but yeah, as much it wasn't much of a veil in that threat. But, um, but you know, I just don't understand why the the Lannisters at this point, once Cersei got free, why they haven't just gone and killed every single member of the Faith Militant. Once again, uh, I think the only logical uh, explanation is. They're, the common people would hate the royalty for this massacre, but I think the royalty could get over it. I think royalty could say, uh, you know, they kidnapped your queen on false pretenses. They were traitors. I mean, hell, yeah. they called uh, Ra- or Ned Stark a traitor. Nobody, no, there's no CSI. There's no, uh, or not even CSI. There's not a, you know, there's not a free press to like tell the commoners what really happened. There's no real scoop, and it's, it'd be all rumors anyway. So I agree with you. They should have just toppled. Um, toppled, killed everybody, killed the high, uh, high sparrow, all his soldiers, all that. Just been like, mm, we take back what we said. Yeah, what what I've heard is that um, this the one of the theories at least is that uh, by allowing the faith militant to operate, they will eventually weaken the Lannisters uh, be, between the two, uh, the Lannisters and the, the faith militant. By the time that Daenerys rolls in there, everybody will be dead. So she, it's a lot easier for her to take over everything yeah but that's fine that explains everything from a narrative's perspective but what Mm -hmm. about from the lannister perspective why are the lannisters keeping these people around it doesn't make much sense that doesn't make any sense especially based on we're gonna get them all we're gonna kill them all right let the many-faced god sort them out you know right so uh then we this scene ends abruptly uh the standoff between jamie and the high sparrow and then we go uh to um Cersei's quarters where Tommen comes in and apologizes for not letting his mom come to the funeral and saying it's because he wanted to protect her. He didn't want her getting taken away again because I guess uh, the people in the sept or the church didn't want her around. Um, yeah, and he, he she completely manipulates him. Of course. She just holds affection until he starts saying, I'm so sorry, Bobby. Of course. Yeah. yeah, I want to be more like Jeffrey. That's my, or Joffrey, sorry. That's exactly what I wrote down is she's after all this shit about how uh, uh, Marcella, I, she was the one thing that made me think I was a good person, all that crap. She is. This scene shows her attempting to turn, uh, to turn Tommen into Joffrey 2.0. Right, turning him into a piece of shit. Yeah, uh, and he he's basically, basically asking her, "Help me! I want to be a psycho like the rest of you." Uh, absolutely. Uh, but you know, that's this shows a lot of, I guess, you know, I don't know. He is being manipulated, but he seems self-aware by acknowledging his shortcomings and all this other stuff. Um, whereas in the books, he's just a small, dumb child who just likes stamping his uh, seal yeah. of approval on everything. Uh, he doesn't ask any Playing questions. Playing in a sandbox. Yeah, the, the thing is, it, it, he goes in there and asks her to help him fix all this, but I don't know that he realizes that she is the one who started all this shit. Well, she obviously doesn't... He, do, he obviously doesn't realize any of that. He's, he's No, he's nice. stupid. But... Yeah. Um, I, I that's think what happens that, when you're an incest baby. Yeah, it's just that's part of the the deal. It's the side effects. Sure. Uh, 
sure. But I feel like uh, Tommen has to die. Unfortunately, he has to die. I mean, he's been foretold to die. Plus, we need a reason for Cersei to be crazy. Er, because she seems pretty tame right now, at least in this episode. Agree, sure. disagree. What are your thoughts? I thought the witch said that three of her children would die. Yeah, all three of them. Uh, gold will be the crowns, and gold will, gold will be their shrouds. So they're all gonna die. Oh uh, well, uh, yeah, yeah, you're right. You're right. For some reason, I was thinking there was a fourth younger kid, but I'm I'm thinking uh, of that, the that uh, was stars. just that. Was, no, well, there's you're confused because the show brought up a fourth uh, baby that died. That was Robert and Cersei's child, which is a complete okay. invention of the show. Uh, but we have no reason to suspect that that child's still alive or that it had been born with blonde hair or anything like that. So, Got it. Okay. So, uh, yeah, I guess Tommen's going to die. and then, uh, But I think Cersei is just biding her time until she goes nuts. I don't think that... Yeah, but is she nuts right now? Obviously, she's, she's holding back or waiting for something. She's either waiting for something right. or she needs a catalyst to make her crazier. And I think the catalyst will be... Um, Tommen's death. So then who takes over as king? Um, that's a great question. Uh, cause Stannis is dead. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, quote unquote, Renly's definitely dead. Um, yeah, so I have no idea. It's interesting. All right. Or uh, maybe huh. Cersei would, uh, because she is, you know, the, still the queen regent. She would, uh, be the ruler until she could remarry. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know who their closest living relative is. Are there any alive Baratheons at this point? Uh, not that we know of, or no legitimate ones that we know about. Yeah. Huh. It would have been Shireen in, uh, you know, if you would have accepted that, uh, well, even if you didn't accept that uh, all the children were incest babies. Yeah. It would have been Shireen. What about Gendry? Is Gendry dead? Gendry's illegitimate. But he might, you know, he, once again, he might, uh, I don't know how secession works. Once again, listeners, write in long, uh, you know, comments about how we're getting this whole secession thing wrong, and we will not read them because (laughs) we don't have any listeners. Uh, Sure, sure. So then we go to uh, our favorite comedic duo, Varys and uh, and Tyrion. And I love them. I love them. Scene starts out with a dong joke or a eunuch joke. Yep. I enjoy Um, it. Yeah, I thought it was fun. Fairy's re- reaction to it was, I never make dwarf jokes. Fairy's <laughs> is so serious, and it really it plays well off of uh, right, Tyrion's the, humor. He's the straight man playing yeah. off Tyrion. So this scene kind of sets up how bad everything is going um, following Danny's departure. Uh, Asapor and Yukai have been taken by the slavers again. Uh, the dragons are on a hunger strike. Right. Um, dragons apparently don't do well in captivity. And, yeah. Uh, before we get to that, I, I want to show you. I want to share that he asked about. Did we find out who burnt all those boats? No, we found nothing. Oh, yes. It's that yep, reoccurring it thing of uh, everybody's like a tactical genius and leave no trace or no like. Oh uh, well, we've got some clues. No, it's just we found nothing. Yep. Uh, just well, like Stannis's Stannis's uh, camp being destroyed. Just sure. like um, an earlier scene and another scene that we'll get to as well. Oh yeah, that one too. Um, <laughs> fuck you. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Well, I, I mean, I think we're all fairly certain 20 good men were involved. Uh, yes. It's just a matter of identifying those men. So uh, Tyrion had probably the best line of the uh, evening where um, he's spouting off on his knowledge of dragons. And uh, somebody said something along the lines of, how do you know this? And he said, that's what I do. I drink and I know things. And that's pretty I turned awesome. To my wife, I turned to my wife and said, huh? That's that's me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's me. Oh, man. Yeah. Uh, so anyways, uh, 
And it goes on to say some things like dragons are more intelligent than than humans, according to some meisters. And you know, which is what, which enemies. is something we learn immediately uh, as the scene continues. Yeah. So that's um, uh, and this he goes down to the dungeon the, where the dragons are, and he frees the dragons. He had some pretty funny lines in there in that scene too. Uh, don't eat the help. Um, punch me in the face next time I do something like that or something along those lines. Yeah, he yeah. Leases the dragons. The dragons, he speaks to them. He, they appear to at least think that he's friendly because they don't kill him. Yeah, and the and, one uh, bows its neck saying, okay, yeah. you released him, now release me. So they're obviously intelligent. My question is, he says now the dragons need to eat. Now, he said that specifically, but I don't mm-hmm. know what freeing them has to do with letting them eat because they just kind of like disappear back into the back of a hall. Uh, yeah. I don't, so I don't know if they're going to start eating now because they're not chained down or I didn't follow. That, the logic that's there. one explanation of the scene. Um, the other explanation is that maybe they have another way out of out of the dungeon. Yeah, obviously, I think they're going to get loose. Uh, would you agree they're going to get? Well, I think. He j- yeah, I, absolutely. I don't I don't know what else. Um, because, I mean, they unchain them. So what are they just they have they have yard time now? I don't understand. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Uh, you know, if, they, I, I if know. they just wait by the door for somebody to open it, like, OK, we're going to try to feed the deer. Oh, no, yeah. like, I don't understand what's going to happen. But obviously, they're going to they, they should have made that scene clearer, I think. And I think because I I get the impression that they thought they were making the scene clear, but I don't think the scene was clear at all. No, I mean, I, I understand that the scene was clear by the fact that uh, Tyrion is somehow an expert on dragons. <laughs> Um, he's obviously obsessed with them. He relates that story about how he, when he was a boy, he asked for one as a child. Uh, and he, you know, obviously knows a lot about dragon lore and he thinks that they would do better if they weren't caged up. Now all that makes sense, but I don't understand what the next step is or how they're going to get them off this hunger strike. If, if they don't actually set them free, I mean, removing out of chains, removing the chains from them would be like step one. Yeah. They can wander around the, the hall under, under there now, but they're not really free. So I thought he was going to let them, like, really lose. Yeah, me too. It was kind of disappointing that he didn't. Right. And um, I'm wondering, with based on his interactions with the dragons, if eventually... I mean, I think that because there's three dragons, we're eventually going to have to see three people riding the three dragons. Absolutely. We know Danny's one of them. Right. And I'm, I'm starting to wonder if Tyrion might be one of the people that uh, rides one of the dragons. Why are you just starting to wonder that? <laughs> I'm really stupid. <laughs> well, I mean, basically, you have three main characters in in the books, like people that we keep going back to. And in the show, maybe right. it's a little less obvious. I mean, because you could think in the show, maybe, you know, Sansa would be one of the main characters because we see a lot of her uh, could be Arya. But, you know, when you starting to get when you starting to get to uh, the parentage conversation about all these people, um, you start to question who is a Targaryen. I think a lot of uh, show watchers have realized that Jon Snow is not, you know, uh, 100% Stark. Um, and he might be a Targaryen. I think people are starting to pick up on that. So people think Jon Snow will be one of the riders of the dragon. Um, and, you know, for several reasons that really aren't explained in the show, Tyrion could have been a product of uh, Targaryen rape on uh, Joanna Lannister. Uh yeah, they just they haven't given you any indication in the show whatsoever. You're absolutely right. Uh, yeah, so I mean that that's Snow with John Snow and and uh, Danny would make sense as the other two for sure. Well, we know Danny rides one, and that also would make sense in the larger uh, story. Is that these three are the three that somehow defeat the others because it kind of brings different people from the three main households that we've seen throughout the show. 
Right. The, primary the, and houses. that's the thing is I, I, I feel like the dragon riders are going to be main characters. Um, so I was pulling for Ed and one, one. Yeah. But I don't think it's going to happen. You imagine one, one on a dragon that just be unstoppable. Can you imagine Robert strong on a dragon? No, I don't just want to that flying sounds... and punching. <laughs> but are, what about a dead dragon that's resurrected and can't die? I mean, oh, can breathe man. fire. I mean, come on. Unstoppable. What is dead may never die. That's right. Mm-hmm. All right, before we get to that, we have to deal with another trip to Bravos. Yes, everyone's favorite street rat. <laughs> so, the goddamn street rat is just hanging out there and gets thrown a stick, and she kind of catches it, and she does a little bit better of defending herself, but not really, and she just gets the shit kicked out of her again. Once again, no one pays attention, no one cares in the streets of Bravos, and <laughs> she gets the shit kicked out of her, and then the uh, kindly man, or Jake and Hagar, um, Shows up, grabs her staff, and says, uh, you know, you could sleep, uh, you know, inside tonight uh, if you just, you know, say your name. Basically, it's Rush Week in Bravos. That, that and- was the stupidest. That's like somebody failing the a moron says what test. I mean, it was just so simple. Of course, he was just saying that to see whether she was committed to being a girl with no name. Right. You know? and it's like when you go into a job interview and they say, tell us your biggest weakness, and you say something truthful. You're a fucking idiot. You just... I never do any work at all. That's <laughs> So here's... Okay, I gotta be honest with you. Normally at other jobs, I don't do shit and I pretend to work whenever somebody's looking. Um, or I get somebody else to do all my work. You know, you, you're just not honest in a situation like that. So, uh, yeah. It, I feel like it's basically rush week. And they're just like trying to see, you can quit right now. You don't have to put this uh, yeah. you know, thing down your butt or whatever. Sure. Well, your, your college experience was different than mine. That's for sure. Well, you but, didn't uh, rush, so. Yeah, exactly. So, I, I and also, again, this scene just highlighted, it must be nonstop bum fights over there because nobody yeah. just gives a shit. But uh, at least it would have been, uh, I wish they would have supplemented the scene with other street rats just laughing at the street rat getting beaten with a stick. Right, or just at least tell us how awful it is being a street rat. I mean, they didn't even change the fucking location. We see no. her in the same goddamn corner. She could have just been moved 20 yards down the fucking street um, and just showed her, you know, maybe huddling at night being cold for like, you know, as an establishing shot. Establishing shot it could have maybe. been 15 minutes after the last scene ended, for all we know. Right. So once yeah, again... Yeah, that, that would have been good, a, a quick montage of her being rained on, of, of right. her, just and her, yeah. Show, yeah, showing how bad Rush Week is on her, but she's gonna sure. stick with it because she really wants to be part of this frat. Yeah, absolutely. But the we house get none of, a thousand of that. Snoozes. And, but basically, she's rewarded for not being a quitter, and I guess uh, not failing the easiest test. Ever. Not yes, not failing the I'm an idiot test. Uh, yeah. So I feel like this is another waste. Once again, I love Arya. Um, I think what's happening in Bravos is just boring. Uh, her training is just not going anywhere and not progressing fast enough. I would I wouldn't mind just taking a break from her. Just like yeah, take a break from her and come back in three or four episodes and show me that she's actually made some progress. Yeah, when she's really got those bow staff skills up. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, whatever. Uh, so the thing is about this scene or, or Arya in general is presumably she's going to come out as, as this crazy assassin. And, you know, the wonder or the question is whether she loses her sense of identity as the rest of the people in the House of Third Persons have so far. Which uh, obviously like she is not. There's no way she's going to let go of her identity. She is. Yeah. She's going to. 
the, her her holding on to her identity is what's going to get her to be involved in the fucking story again. Like, right. uh, she could be involved in the story as some kind of nameless assassin where she's fully committed, and then she could have, like, a, uh, a question of faith if she's asked to, like, murder Jon Snow or somebody else that she cares about, and then remember her identity. Or she could quit the training mid-training, like uh, Luke Skywalker in uh, Empire Strikes Back. Sure. Because... She finds out something about Winterfell or there's a, a conflict earlier. Regardless, she is not going to let go of her identity as a Stark. There's no way. Well, and, that, that, and what I wanted to point out is that uh, Needle is still hidden in behind the rocks. Right. You know, so I, my, my theory is that she eventually get to there'll be a triggering point where she decides to leave this training. Absolutely. Uh, Luke, Luke Skywalker style. Yep. And we'll retrieve Needle. Yeah, and retrieve needle and then go back to water dancing all all over Westeros. But we got to think they could. That's not going to be without a price. Maybe she leaves and then they send a faceless man to kill her uh, because you know it's probably not cool leaving a uh, faceless man camp like that. I don't know. We'll find out. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Either. All right. So uh, then we get a treat uh, by being able to go back to Boltonfell, uh, mm-hmm. where Ramsay's best men failed. Which makes me want to ask, why didn't he send the good men, the 20 good men, instead of the six best men? Yeah, that seemed, and I don't know if I really picked up on this on the last episode, but I mean, Sansa Stark is pretty goddamn important to Boltonfell right now. Right. And all he did was send six people out. Right. And one hunting party. Why wouldn't you send like several, uh, several small groups? Everybody there except what you need to defend the castle. Right. Yeah, but they put this on. But Roos puts this on Ramsey as if it was his decision. Like, why, if it was so important, why would Roos say, "Well, you know, hopefully he'll take care of this"? No, you wouldn't leave it in his fucking hands. He would, uh, he would command his own forces. I mean, it's he's the Lord of Bolton. He can send out as many people as he wants. He can take the reins. But for some reason, he's sure. letting Ramsey fail. Or he's trusting him too much, which doesn't make any sense. Ramsey wants to attack the Night's Watch because he thinks mm-hmm. that that's the only safe haven that Sansa has, which I guess in the show, that's pretty much all they set up. There's other Northern Lords, but they don't really talk about them. Um, sure. So he assumes that she's going north, and that's where she's going. She's going towards the wall. So he's like, well, why don't we take a small group of men, uh, 20 good men, and go up and attack the... Uh, Castle Black, they're not defended on the south side, and we'll just wreck. And Ruth says, well, if you do that, you'll have, it's basically like trying to take on the church. It's like, you'll have every northerner against us, you know, murdering the Lord Commander of the Night's Watch. And and Ramsey says, I guess rightly, or at least pragmatically, well, we don't need all the northerners. We got the, you know, the three biggest houses. They outnumber all the other houses combined, so we're fine. We don't have to worry about pissing people off or making them happy. So I think it's just, once again, Ramsey looking like a goddamn genius and Roos looking like a ineffective ruler. And they introduced this guy, the Lord of Car, the Carstark guy, um, who's, I sure. guess, still pissed off about the whole cutting off my dad's head thing that uh, Rob did um, in season yeah. two or three. Uh, and he makes a, a very uh, a very prescient quote, or I guess um, a quote that uh, completely sets up what's about to happen. Where he says it's time for new, new blood, blood in the north. Yeah, yeah, I saw that, and I on on watching it the second time, I was like, "Ooh, that's quote unquote clever foreshadowing." Um, yeah, but you know, foreshadowing—that's the word I was looking for. That is, yeah. Oh, you're getting another plaque. Congratulations. So, um, so check it out. This whole scene that we're about to see. <laughs> check it out. Yo, yo, 
Yeah. But yo, MC okay. re-raps. This whole scene is the same fucking scene we saw last week in Dorne. Observe. Two oh, guys, yeah. People are just hanging out. The Lord and a bastard, or at least one bastard, or the next in line, presumably, are hanging out talking, and a maester enters the scene with a message. Last week in Dorne, it was a scroll saying that, uh, you know, Marcella and Tristane, well, Mar- no, Marcella was killed. Um, sure. This time, it's a maester saying, hey, uh, Bruce, your wife had a baby and it's a boy. We had a baby, it's a boy. Mm-hmm. Um, and this was, this was falling right after where uh, Bruce says to Ramsey, you get a reputation as a mad dog, you'll be taken out in the back and fed to the pigs or something along those lines. Right. So... And I, I, Which that's going to be for, that's going to be foreshadowing, yeah. right? That's going to be, yeah. you know, obviously Ramsey is not going to survive this show. It's just not going to happen. So he's going to die mm-hmm. and hopefully get fed to some pigs. I'd like to see that. Yep, that'd be pretty cool. But uh, but yeah, you see how it's the same scene we saw in Dorn, really? Yeah, but this one I think held more weight for me. This one I actually cared about. Yeah, um, because uh, everything pertaining to this plot line hasn't been handled so poorly. Sure. But essentially, it's the same Absolutely. thing where uh, a maester comes in, gives some news. The uh, heir to the throne or the bastard stabs the uh, patriarch and kills him and takes yeah. over. And once again, the other people in the room do nothing. Now, there's only two people in this room. They have the maester and the Karstark. And the Karstark guy obviously was in on it. But so were the guards in last week's episode. So uh, I don't well, know. The maester was not in on it. Uh, that's true, he, but the, but yeah. and that's the difference. The maester, and if I feel like if this maester would have ran like a coward, like the guy in Dorne, he would have been killed too. Sure. And that's basically and alluded think, to when he asked them, so what happened here? And he's like, uh, he was poisoned by our enemies. Yeah, I, I, well, I think that this this Karstark guy, I mean, obviously he was in cahoots, or at least was aware that it was going to happen because he, he doesn't barely react or doesn't react to it, and also... Has the line of uh, regarding um, making sure the maester calls Ramsey Lord Ramsey. I think is right. Something on how it goes, and um, so it's a conspiracy, just like last week. I don't know if it's a conspiracy. It's at least a conspiracy that, is just two people plotting against somebody else. It's like you know we agree not to yeah. tell somebody they look fat in that outfit. That's a conspiracy. <laughs> That's one hell of a conspiracy, <laughs> akin to the uh, JFK assassination, um, moon landing. Yeah. But I mean, we we saw this. I saw. I know. I saw this coming. And I think I sent you a text. Um, I, I turned to my wife maybe a, maybe a minute before it happened and said, "Uh oh, it's going to happen here." Right. Because there was the stare down between Ramsey and Roos, and of course, you you know Ramsey's a psychopath, so of course he would go and hug his dad, pretend everything's okay, and then shank him. Yeah, it reminded me of uh, slight spoilers for the Force Awakens. It reminds me of how Kylo Ren embraced uh, Han Solo before running him through. Yeah, uh, yeah. So obviously this so. is a motif. Uh, I guess it's being repeated. But anyway, um, you know, it's just another. It, it's it's this repeated theme of just like in Dorne, uh, the current ruler is being too cautious and being perceived as weak. Yeah. And uh, the person that replaces them is very aggressive and is all about. Um, action. Well, I don't think for Ramsey, I don't think it's about a matter of action. It's a matter of, of him wanting his place uh, at the head of Bolton fell. Um, I think that's more important to him than the military action, but 
But it's just, it's still, I agree with you, but it's still, he wants to attack Castle Black. Yeah. Bruce says, no, that's not a good idea. We're going to lose the North. Once again, it's just somebody who's concerned about the bigger picture and somebody else who just wants to take action right now and be very yeah. aggressive. Uh, that's Absolutely. the dynamic they have set up. Sure. So then we go to uh, Ramsey meeting his new uh, half brother. Oh, wait, and, before uh, we get to this, I want to put in something yeah. real quick. Uh, but Roos getting stabbed was a little retribution from the Red Wedding because this is what he did to Rob Stark. He fucking stabbed. He was a traitor and he stabbed him, you know, after embracing him, really. So sure. he got his just desserts. But this is what I want to, this is a big picture uh, point I want to make. This is how the Starks get their justice, not through revenge by their own hands, but by karma. It really is. Everybody that has fucked them over is dying and getting their just desserts. It's just not at the hands of Starks. So basically everybody in, you know, I mean, it's just Walter Frey is going to die this season. He's going to get his just desserts, but Mm -hmm. it probably won't be from the hand of a Stark. Now it might. We have Arya who's the only one actively being taking out uh, people on her list. But otherwise, it really is just people... Because this was a bigger criticism of Martin's work is that he's a nihilist. But he's not. He does believe in good and evil. I just don't think he believes in, like, clear-cut, you know, good and clear-cut evil. Um, and I think this is this is on display by Roos getting what he deserved, just not from the heroes. Sure. He's basically, his own treachery has breeded this, you know? Sure. So I just want to make that bigger point. So yes, then we go on and we meet, uh, uh, Ramsey gets to meet his little brother. So tell us what happens here. So, uh, and he meets a Waldo the whale or fat Walder, wherever you want to call her. So that he lures them into the, uh, into the kennel. Of course. Oh wait, you're skipping a big moment. What's that? So, I don't like being an only child. No, no, you're missing it. So Ramsey, you know he was going to take care of, because he asked the mage, the maester, uh, bring uh, Fat Walda and the baby to me. And he's like, but mm-hmm. she's sleeping. He's like, <laughs> he just gives him that look saying, you got to do it. So you knew he was going to kill Fat Walda and the baby. No question. Right. No question about it. But then they cut to a scene of him in the yard and he says, can I hold the baby? And at this point, oh, yeah. my you stomach started the baby in the fire. Right. My stomach started to turn and my head race. I'm like, is he going to drop this baby down a fucking well? Is he going to bash the baby's brains in? Is he going to put it yeah, in a fire and hold Walda sure. back while she watches it? Like all sorts of disgusting things happen in my mind. And it was clear the showrunners just fucking with us. But um, well, you know, it wasn't going to end well, no matter what happens. Right. So so he takes her to the kennel and, of course, does some exposition about how he wants to be an only child, and then he releases the hounds. Right, and then um, instead of showing it on uh, camera, they allude to it with sounds, which, which is that was probably for the best. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's for the best because I wrote down. I yeah. said if they were to show uh, like a baby die on on camera, by being chewed up by dogs. Yes, this this Christ. people would have left this show. This that would have been the end yeah. of the goddamn show. Yeah, it's just terrible. It, uh, you know, I, um, and it. I guess uh, the kennel master's daughter didn't go very far because those hounds seemed hungry. Yeah, I guess they yeah didn't have much meat on her bones. I mean, she was pretty thin. What was she buck buck twenty buck ten? Uh, maybe, yeah. maybe. It's just terrible. See, now I wondered what the impact will be on uh, Boltonfell's relationship with the phrase. Right. Um, because yeah, Walder obviously gave away. He's got so many kids. He's giving them away for free. 
I heard he's running buy, buy one, get one free deals on his daughters and granddaughters. But I, I'm wondering if he, if Walder Frey will be pissed off because this essentially breaks the alliance between right. this uh, is, this the Ramses is, and the Freys. This is akin to what Rob did by marrying somebody else and not agreeing to marry his uh, one of his heirs. Because I'd say this is worse. Well, obviously it's worse because he fucking killed killed a member of his family, but still has the same result. He's been cheated by a lord of Winterfell uh, from having uh, his whatever family be part of that that group. Mm-hmm. Every week I go, I say to myself, has has Ramsay Bolton gone too far this week? Right. Jesus, they just keep ratcheting that's, it up. But that's what I mean by, I think I said yeah. this last week, he's cartoonishly evil. He's just yeah. irredeemably evil, and that's not fun. Like I said, the whole point of most of uh, George R. R. Mart- R. R. Martin's work is that there's no absolute good people and no absolute bad people. I don't think we've seen anything out of Ramsey to make us identify with him or side with him. It's not like he has some kind of like, uh, you know, mental disorder that's acknowledged. That uh, we can make me feel bad for him. We don't even get any sense of his being abused as a child. I mean, that would be a little bit towards forgiving his behavior, but he is mm-hmm. solidly a uh, a dark character in this show. And sure. It, I, I, and I feel like it's worse for it. I mean, I don't I don't know what else to say besides I, he's not as menacing as he is like a caricature of a you know an evil person. Like he's just not. Sure. He doesn't have a lot of depth to him. One other thing I'll note, too, is I know there were some people in the season six preview. There's the two flayed men that are in, in a battle scene. And there was some uh, some speculation that those two people were Fat Walda and uh, and Roos. But apparently Fat Walda is not going to be in any condition to be flayed. So, well, um, this goes I'm wondering to your, who those people this, are now. This goes to your assumption that they don't like to flay dead people. I agree with you. It's probably more fun to flay the living, but I wouldn't put it past them to flay the dead as well. Plus, I don't think we're going to get this huge battle that we saw in uh, the previews for the season until like Which, episode Why would you flay or, a, a dead person? There's no point on flaying a dead person. Hey, man, I don't know, but that's what they show on their banners. Obviously, like... No one can survive getting flayed completely, mm-hmm. and if they did survive that, they wouldn't survive it long. So, have we seen Ramsey flay any dead person yet? Uh, I can't remember. Uh, I think in the obviously, I'm not, I don't watch the show more than just once. Uh, so I know when they took Moat Kalen, uh, they flayed you know um, dozens of Iron Men. Uh, and yeah. left their bodies just riding, rotting on uh, poles or on crosses. I don't Gross. know. But I don't know if we saw that in the show, uh, so I'm not sure. But regardless, okay. uh, I think it's it's part of their thing is to flay people. Obviously, it's more impactful when they're alive for that. But it's still, it's an act of deterrent to have somebody show a corpse without any skin on. That'd be pretty scary. Like, if I was, you know, maybe going to start some shit with the Boltons and I walked up to, you know, to knock on the door to say like, I can Ramsey come outside. He needs to settle some things. And I saw a dead body that's had no skin on it. Just hanging out outside, regardless of whether that, that, that body was skinned after they were dead. I'd be pretty intimidated. That's all I'm saying. That is a terrible mil- military strategy, by the way, Doug. What? <laughs> just, just knock on the door. And, yeah. Can Ramsey come out and fight? Yeah. I mean, excuse me, Miss fat Walda. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so, Next scene, Brienne and Sansa in the forest. Right. And uh, Brienne and Sansa are having a little heart-to-heart. 
I thought they were idiots for stopping in the forest. I don't know why, but yeah. I mean, they had to in order to complete this scene, obviously. Um, Brienne repeats to Sansa that Arya's alive, but of course she leaves off all of these important details. Like I fucking like the, killed the man that she was with. She's like, yeah. he was with him. She or, was with the man. Also the hound. Yeah, exactly. Sansa knows the hound. Sansa knows well. the fucking hound. And even if she did, yeah, that'd and be, we don't know that's that an important bit of information. We don't even know that the hound is dead. Uh, yeah. Spoiler alert: the hound isn't dead. <laughs> yeah. If, if the character doesn't die on scene, uh, in the screen, I'm sorry, on screen. Uh, he's not dead, and we don't believe sure. the hound is dead. But regardless, you're right. Uh, I don't know. I mean, other than it would have taken up more time, time that's of something it. that we already knew. Right. That's I think the they just wanted. It's, to, it's once again the economy yeah. of trying to get through this scene very quickly. The only th- yeah. the only point the scene had was to extricate Theon from the group. Um, yeah. To get Theon out of there, and Theon's going home, which is the second time they dropped that line, the titular line. Um, mm-hmm. So I assume home for Theon isn't Winterfell. Uh, it's uh, the Iron Islands, which we'll oh, get yeah. to no, next. No, it, it absolutely is, which is, that wasn't a whole lot to the scene. I don't know that it really warrants any more discussion right, other so than they're idiots for sitting still. Yeah, I agree, and, and lighting fires and all that shit. So uh, we go on now to the Iron Islands, and Asha, or Yara in the show, is telling Balon that they just lost their last stronghold on the mainland. Deepwood Mott. Deepwood Mott is basically gone, and... Essentially, their assault or their little war, which really was a... They didn't really get much opposition from anybody. They were just basically Mm -hmm. moving in on places that armies had gone to fight other people. So the Iron Islands are pretty weak, and they lost this little war of taking Winterfell. They lost that when Theon got kicked out of there. Uh, They had Moat Kaelin, which, once again, I forgot how they handled that in the show. And Deepwood Mott's gone, so... That was where, in the show, the guys just gave up. Um, because Ramsey tricked them into uh, surrendering because he was going to allow them all to go home. Of course, he killed them all. Right. Um, remember, they they were all uh, they were all in really bad shape. They were all sick, and the one guy wanted to hold out, and the guy hit the leader in the back of the head with the axe. You recall that scene? No, I don't. But and, that's okay. Uh, so I think about this entire scene. It just illustrated how shitty of a leader Balon was. I mean, he, 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 yeah, he doesn't care no from sense. anybody. And once he, he, I hate doing it, but this is Uh-oh. the Dorn scene. Is this all a classic Doug over, rant? What? Is this a classic Doug rant? This is not a Doug rant. We already had a Doug oh. rant. But okay. now that I see it, I mean, besides the Maester, this is Dorn. This is Boltonfell again. So after, uh, you know. Balon says we're gonna keep fighting because I fucking said so because I do whatever I want I do what I want. Um, mm-hmm. He leaves Asha after acknowledging that uh, she is his heir. She says if you're not if you don't do what I tell you if you don't shut up and do what I tell you I'll get another heir. Uh, so that basically acknowledges that she is his heir at least in his mind. But then he leaves the room and of course because the architects and Pike were fucking idiots to get from one room to another you have to go outside on a rope bridge. And on the rope bridge, there's a shadowy figure. Turns out to be Balon's brother, who we're learning about for the first time on the show, I believe. Um, mm-hmm. And he confronts him, and he has delusions of grandeur, talking about he is the storm, he is the drowned god, he is this, he is that. Um, but once again, we got a guy um, who kills the, you know, the 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 resident power. So just it's all about, uh, I guess, changing of hands of power. Um, you got the, yeah, but there were there were some good details in this scene. I, I, like, yeah, I don't want to undermine it, when, but I just want to show when the Balon was walking across ones. the bridge, 
and Euron was out there, and Balon apparently had lost his sea legs because he looked like he kept falling all over when he was trying to walk the bridge. Um, you know, it's just showing how ineffective he'd become. And, you know, I wouldn't think that any Iron Islander would ever want to take any landlocked uh, cities. I mean, there it definitely conveyed how terrible Balon had become and how he needed to be out of there. Yeah, and his brother again, even says you become yeah. old, you know, just like yeah. old and weak. Basically, it's mm-hmm. he's too, he's being perceived as weak by uh, another claimant to the throne or sure. Iron Islands. So and then uh, we cut to his funeral. Yeah, well, which, yeah, uh, let's let's just talk about it. So Balon takes makes a play for his knife and I believe yeah. slashes the guy across the face before he gets thrown over the over the bridge, right? Yes, that's what it looked like to me. Right, so it wasn't I, entirely clear. I, it wasn't entirely clear, but I would think that'd be like you know, once again, if there was um, CSI Westeros, like you know, the brother just shows up out of nowhere and now he's got a slash across his face. Um, yeah, seems a little suspicious. And then they'll cut to Fishman. Yeah, you're our great joy. I saw him <laughs> interviewing like a fishmonger. Yeah, Law and Order style. Uh, but yeah, and then we get Balon being wrapped up like sushi and seaweed. Um, yep. And it's you a, read that you read that on Reddit too? No, it, it no. I had that original <laughs> thought. I will tell you that I, I I do listen to other recap shows to inform myself how we're doing, and it's mm-hmm. it's not going well. But I don't do the recap shows before uh, we record ours. So gotcha. it was just a massive piece of seaweed, and I just thought of sushi immediately. Yeah. So they have something on Reddit about that. Oh no, I'm joking. Uh, yeah, no, that's one of the first things I thought as well. Okay, so I'm sure, but I'm sure a million people. It'll be a meme uh, shortly. Yeah. So it's a pretty poorly attended funeral uh, for a king, I thought, even for the island islands. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, and I wrote down that Asha or Yara looks cold as shit in that water. Yeah. Unlike Theon, and she's the, just like. Ugh. Was the priest hair? Was the priest hair damp hair? Or was that just some random dude? Uh, they didn't call him by name, and I feel like they're going to leave the damp hair out. Damp hair in the books is another one of Balon's brothers that you don't give a fuck about because no one gives a shit about the Iron Islands. Like, nobody yeah. gives a shit about Dorne. But at least they gave uh, the Iron Islands the production value in some decent story writing, unlike Dorne. Sure. Uh, but it's a similar thing. They don't, they're not going to include all these other people, so I feel like it was just some random uh, drowned priest. Yeah, and it was interesting. This is the the last of the five kings in the War of the Five Kings right. alive, and he went out fairly unceremoniously. Yeah, you know what I was really surprised by? They didn't do the flashback to the scene uh, where they where Melisandre tries to have sex with um, Gendry and puts those leeches on him, and then burns mm-hmm. three leeches: one for uh, Joffrey, one for Robb Stark, and then one for Balon, which happens. I guess since it's been like three fucking years since that scene, the the whole yeah. the audience has pretty forgot pretty much forgotten about it, but I haven't. Um, so I feel like they should have done that in the previously on, right? Yeah, I, I don't know. It's so far back. I doubt that a casual watcher would really catch on or give a shit. Really, yeah. Maybe it'll go back and watch it. Go, oh fuck, mind blown. Yeah, it gets worse than uh, everybody being cold. We find out there's going to be a king's moot. Get ready. Oh God. No, no. You show watchers have no idea what you're in for with this King's Mood. It's going to be oh, awesome. That, that I think the, the King's Mood description in the books was the worst part of the books. It was just far. so tedious. It was so repetitive, yeah. and uh, we didn't care about the Iron Islands. Like, yeah, we just don't care, and I feel like they're going to cut it follow. down. I mean, yeah, it was dumb. All right. 
hopefully they'll find a way to shortcut it and combine the best elements of it. But I don't know that there was a single good element of the King's Moot. In the the book, only so. good element in the King's, book, King's Moot in the books is Euron, the guy that just killed Balon. He shows up with uh, you know a horn that he says can bind dragons to his will. Uh, and he wins the King's Moot. Spoiler alert, once again, if you concerned about spoilers, don't listen. Um, so that's the only thing that comes out of the King's Moot. So I'm hoping it only lasts one episode, but we'll see. So back at the wall, um, Davos comes in and is like, Hey, uh, Melisandre, what's up? Um, so you feel like performing some devil magic? <laughs> and um, she's like, I don't feel like it today. <laughs> I will after you tell me while you're here. Yeah. And uh, Davos, yeah, doing the, the old Eeyore sad sack routine. Right, sad sack, which, uh, you know, there's not a lot of nuance when they do it on this show. Well, she did have some sad sacks. You know <laughs> she that. did some sad, saggy sacks. So uh, Davos says about this this nonsense about how he's in a religious man, where he definitely is in the, <laughs> he definitely is in the book. That's the reason he tried to kill her uh, a couple uh, yeah a couple episodes back or seasons back because he had when he was starving on that island he had visions of the seven. Anyway, so forgiving all that, uh, he's basically like, I don't care about gods. I just know that you make me believe in miracles, so why don't you perform one now? And she's like, I don't know how. But somehow, you know, he convinces her, I guess I'll give it a try. Yeah, um, a lot of the other characters they have, you know, so far, like the entire series has been like, they have these arcs where they go from being really good to being terrible to we're seemingly returning to being good again yeah, redemption and her, yeah her arc is apparently only two or three episodes to where she's back and she's redeemed baby yeah and uh, i i question the motivation for either of them like john's resurrection seems to be such a matter of luck and like uh well we'll give it a shot no big deal um i i still don't understand davos's devotion to john why does he think john would be such a good ruler that he's like, why don't you go find? Why don't you tell that bitch to go find Stannis's corpse and resurrect him? Uh, I yeah, don't, that's a good point. I don't understand why Davos is all about John, and I don't understand why you know Melisandre's got nothing else going on. I don't know why she doesn't kill herself or just leave or I don't know do whatever old ladies do uh, in Westeros. But uh, yeah, and you'll notice in this in every other scene, she's. Uh, it was. I did think this detail is interesting. Is that she? This is the only scene where we've seen her sitting in front of a fire and, and look like she was wrapped up in furs. Normally, she's impervious to the cold. Right. No, so she I, did that. That was an interesting visual cue. Yeah. No, she did that when she. You didn't realize it because she was an old lady and naked in the last episode. But she did the same thing. Like she doesn't famously doesn't sleep. She doesn't feel the cold. And uh, when she was naked after taking off the necklace last week, she got into a bed, presumably fall asleep, and went under a pile of furs. So she's both cold and tired. Yeah. Um, so sure. So regardless, he convinces her to try this thing, uh, and they allude to Beric Dondarrion and um, Thoros of Mir bringing him back. Uh, she alludes to that, but she's like, I've never done it. He's like, well, did you ever try? Uh, she's like, fine, I'll do it. And I guess part of this Yeah, what's the worst could happen? He's already dead. Right, yeah. You can't make him more dead. Yeah. But I would have liked it if she would have done it more like a petulant teenager. Like, fine, uh, Valamagoros. That oh, didn't work. I'm going back to bed. <sighs> yeah. See, so I told you. That didn't better. But, uh... She does it after cleaning his body, drawing it out forever, and giving him a I haircut. That was weird. It was like a it was like a sexy sponge bath and a yeah. sensual haircut and a scalp massage, and it right. was a, a very erotic 
awakening. It was, and it was very drawn out. And that, I mean, Jon Snow as a corpse had a pretty good washboard stomach, I had to tell you. Yeah, and you could tell he was hanging dog through that towel, too. <laughs> yes, he was hanging dog through the towel. Uh, oh, yeah. But they just drug it out, and of course, says the magic words. Tormund leaves. He's like, enough of this shit. Then uh, Dolores, uh, Ed, leaves. And then <laughs> um, then finally, uh, I, I guess, I don't know who left last. Oh, I don't know who left last. Davos left last. Da- Melisandre yeah, Davos, leaves yeah. before him, and Davos leaves, and then the wolf wakes up saying, you know, Ooh, wolves always know. And, and John just wakes up, eyes open up, which what I was what I was hoping would be the end of last episode, but once again, I had to wait one week. Uh, what do you mm-hmm. have to say about all that? They drug they, they drug it out too long. Right? I mean, they just they just dragged it out. Dragged yeah. It out. Nobody. And it wasn't even like you knew it was happening. I mean, it wasn't that big of a surprise. Yeah. They tried to create this false uh, suspense, but you knew it was coming. I mean, if right. you didn't know you it was coming, you're a freaking idiot. You know. Right. Um. And I think it was just, uh, and I think waiting for Dolores Ed to come back with the Wild Wings was just stretching it out too. Uh, I really, I know you sure. disagree, but I think it was just a way to to postpone his resurrection one more episode. Well, they, they, now that you can tell, they want to just go out on these episodes with shocks, what they think are shocks. You're absolutely right. Um, um, they've yeah. done it twice. I, that's a good point. I, I can't wait to see what happens next week. But you're right. They want yeah. they want to end with something that you'll go in talking with your coworkers about the next day on the wall. Yeah, except for last week's was I can't believe how dumb that was, and then this week's is why didn't that happen earlier? Right. <laughs> you know? Yeah. But overall, I still thought it was a good episode. I agree uh, wholeheartedly. Um, no sand skanks. No sand skanks. Um, it things things started to progress, and yeah. and things are progressing. I get you know besides uh, in uh, Bravos. Otherwise, I feel like the story's moving along, and to me, that's really exciting because I am a fan of the story. I'm a fan of the books. I want to see what happens next, and yeah. um, you know, if it has to be in the show and not in the book, that's fine. So, I'm on board. Doesn't mean I'm without criticism, uh, but I overall, still think it's bananas. We still haven't we we haven't seen uh, Littlefinger, and I mean, how many episodes now? It has been a while. Since she married, uh, since Sansa married Roos, so right. we've seen more screen time with uh, Mira over the last five episodes than we have with Littlefinger. It's been longer than and, that. It feels like, and and, I th- and again, I think Littlefinger is one of the most dangerous people in Westeros. But I mean, long term, there's just no way that he. I don't think there's any way that he plays a critical role in defeating the others or where the actual thing actually ends up. So the only thing I can think is the only way he's going to come back is maybe uh, Sansa uh, takes Winterfell uh, and gets married to Sweet Robin, uh, who is, uh, you know, basically Peter Baelish is his stepfather now. So that's oh, the only the idiot way. Kid? Yeah, the yeah. idiot, the idiot tit sucker from uh, <laughs> the past seasons. So I feel like that he's that was your nickname in college, wasn't it? The idiot, idiot tit sucker, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> But I feel like that's the only way he's going to get brought back in the story. I mean, well, he probably will get. There's probably a number of ways, but that's how I envision him getting pulled back in. Like now that he's not, he had Sansa in the books and in the show. Now that he doesn't have her, Howard's the veil, which is what he's he's in control of. How does that hook up to anybody else in the storyline? I feel like his connection is still Sansa. Um, yeah, and, and up until until his recent disappearance, he played a kid, uh, a really 
critical role in pushing stories forward. You know, he was he responsible did. He was for a major player, a, and now a bunch he's... of characters. And yeah, it's just crazy. He's disappeared off the face of the face of the earth. It seems like I agree. All right, so uh, what do you mm. see going forward, especially in relation to uh, the next week on Game of Thrones? Well, they showed the previews. Uh, it looks like uh, Arya's killing with the bow staffs. And a lot of gangs will attempt to recruit her because she's pretty good with the bow staff. Yeah, she's a regular Leonardo. That was a reference to Napoleon Dynamite. Um, okay, someone has a gift. That. <laughs> uh, someone has a gift for Ramsey. Okay, let's uh, talk about that briefly. So I, I couldn't see it. I watched it several times, and then I, what I had to fucking do like an idiot because I didn't want to... I wanted to do the legwork myself. I took a screenshot and then lightened it up with a uh, photo editing app uh, and there are chains in the banner. So the only house that we know of, at least in the books, and I, once again, this is something that I don't think anybody from the show would know, uh, are the umbers. And the sigil of the umbers is a giant breaking its chains. So uh, from what I know, I think that Osha, not Asha, uh, the wildling caretaker of Rick and Stark, uh, went off to take Rick and Stark to the uh, Umbers. So my guess, and what I'm putting together, is that Rickon is going to be the gift that the Umbers are going to bring Ramsey, which will be horrible because, uh, you know, the Rickon is, you know, the youngest Stark boy. Um, and if they hand him over to Ramsey, Ramsey obviously going to kill him. So... Good lord! And but here's that, the thing: they both went twenty levels deeper than I expected, and is also terrifying. It's terrifying, but I think it's going to be the impetus for the zombie Jon Snow to march on Winterfell. So mm. let's think about this. So Jon Snow is now resurrected. Let's get into that. So what is his first? The only thing we learn about is that Tormund says they look at you like a god, obviously because he, you know, defeated death and he's back. But um. I mean, he's going to march on Winterfell. That's that's the battle. We already know that from the previews. No question. So, he's, he's released from his his bounds to the uh, or binds to the Night's Watch. Right. And because you all, the other part death. of it is, yeah, the other part of it is, you know, with it, that they bring up a lot with uh, Dondarrion and whatever is that once you uh, die, when you come back, you lose like a piece of yourself. Yeah, I'm really so curious to see how they they show that in the show. Is this can't this resurrection can't be without price. So John John is not going to be the John that we know and love somehow. No, I hope he's meaner. Uh, yeah, or or something something's missing from him, uh, which is sad yeah. because really, just like um, Gregor Clegane, but not as sad. He's all in purposes. He's dead. He's something else now. Robert Strong is not Gregor Clegane. He's lost something. Um, well, that's a different deal though. Because no, that's but it's just, similar uh, because that's some dude. No, that's Frankenstein. That's not. Being resurrected through like a it religious doesn't ceremony. matter. Do you think that? Do you think that Robert Strong is Gregor Clegane? No, absolutely not. But it's this this his dead body. Kyburn's monster, right? But it's his dead body reanimated, just like it is for John. So they're changed. That's all the parallels that I want to draw there. Um, okay, but I will say that um, they need a reason for John to attack Winterfell, and now that Sansa Sansa would have been a great reason, but she's no longer there. So the only other reason I can think of is if Ramsey gets Rickon and threatens to kill him or does kill him, uh, that'll bring him down the wrath of a undead John pretty quick, I would think. Well, I, I don't know. I think it's enough motivation that now he doesn't have to serve for the Night's Watch that he he just decides to, I'm going to take the North back 
for the Starks. So you I mean, think, I think he'll that's just motivation be enough? So you think I, he's I don't know a that's free the case, agent? but I do think that's motivation enough. Okay, well, and who takes over the Night's Watch? That's one thing I wrote down. Now that uh, John doesn't obviously, or not obviously, but we uh, we presume that John doesn't want any part of the Night's Watch or has been relieved of his vows. So he's basically a free agent. And Alistair Thorne and his cronies, which were the rest of the leadership of the Night's Watch, have been removed, and I imagine are going to get executed by John uh, or somehow removed from power who leads the night's watch and does john just take the wildlings or does he incorporate the wildlings and the night's watch as his own personal like army uh of vendetta and vengeance and well, go Del- rush on. dolores takes over <laughs> dolores is in charge now oh yeah no question but you say he takes the night's watch of them there's like four people were on his side yeah i know Everybody and that's, else was I on think alistair thorne's side I guess, but you saw they all left. They all turned code on uh, Alistair Thorne, lickety-split, when the uh, Wildlings showed up. So, once again, I feel like the whole strength of the Night's Watch, what little there was, has been undermined by how pathetic they are and how much, how easy they are, uh, you know, how easy they flip sides. But regardless, I feel like there's yeah. still Night's Watchmen there sure. that will fight for John because he's a goddamn un- undead monster. Yeah, oh, absolutely. So then we see uh, um, Daenerys walking in. Uh, no, nothing else on that line, unless you had anything no, further. No, no. Then we see uh, Daenerys walking. It, it appeared to be into Vase Dothrak, I would assume, based yeah. on the giant horse statue that you see. Right. Uh, and I think in the preview, you saw, uh, in the season six preview, we saw a dragon fly over here at some point, like near what the preview was in the, for the next episode. Right, so either the dragon's flying... Towards Vase Dothrak or away from Vase Dothrak. But either way, yeah. we're going to get some dragon action, uh, I imagine, pretty soon. Sure. And uh, we won't see the. Ra- Hopefully, we'll see some more of the Brothraki, as the internet's calling them. <laughs> the Bro Dothraki. They, they are pretty great. They're at least entertaining. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Other than that, I the only thing I remember else was uh, more Arya getting the shit kicked out of her uh, with sticks. And she still appears well, to be no, blind, there's... right? There was the Tower of Joy flashback. Oh yeah, obviously, yeah. The yeah. Tower of Joy is yeah. huge. Yeah, and then, but actually, Arya seemed to be able to defend herself better with the bow staff, which we already talked about. Yeah, but that's—is that really progress? I mean, we we assume that was going to happen. Uh, yeah, that doesn't seem just like taking any, just the steps. Cool. This is all things that the '80s solved in something called a montage. Yeah, uh, we could. Oh yeah, <laughs> we could have seen blind Arya go for from like. Getting her the shit kicked out of her to like kind of blocking occasionally to becoming a master in like I don't know uh, uh, a Tiffany music video kind of like some, oh you throw some Kenny Loggins on in the background <laughs> uh, I'm all right <laughs> nobody <laughs> yeah and then uh, following this of course was the inside the episode and goddamn it I want to bring this up between the inside the episode and the preview or not the previews but the commercials they had before every episode now and the previously on. Because they show that there's an HBO promo, then there's a previous on, and then there's the uh, credit sequence, which is a good two or three minutes. And then there's the the inside the episode circle jerk between the two showrunners. Yeah, getting softball uh, questions Uh, about, like, why why is the show so great? Between those things, they are easily wasting a full episode's worth of time on bullshit. Over the course of the season. Uh, yeah, cumulatively, I agree with that. Yeah, yeah, it's terrible. It's basically like a network show. You know, like you watch an hour-long network show on Netflix, and it's really only 40 minutes. 
It's because yeah. of all the fucking commercials. And obviously it's not that much, but still it's it's a good amount of nonsense. You think you're watching an hour show, but you're not. No, you're not. So, and then the one thing, I, these idiots, I, the inside the episode where they uh, discussed how the Tower of Joy flashbacks were lazy. Or yeah, they, I wrote this down. Flashback. Go fuck yourself. We didn't want to do, listen, we didn't want to do flashbacks because we considered that lazy storytelling. These fucking assholes had the goddamn gumption to say that flashbacks were lazy storytelling. But they figured out how to do it so interestingly, it's so much better, <laughs> yeah. because their characters are so... Go fuck yourself. Yeah, that's some pretentious bullshit. Oh, God, go yeah. F- yeah, I agree. It's just uh, stop shitting in my mouth and calling it uh, a chocolate sundae, right? Yeah, yep. So that about wraps her up. All right, yeah, I don't have anything else to say. So, But overall, I'm not going to say a great episode. I just think this is an episode that gives me hope for the future. Once again, it still had that kind of... Um, it made me sick for a second when I thought Ramsey was going to kill a baby on screen. Uh, but mm-hmm. still, um, I feel like the story's progressing. We're going to exciting new places. And I dare say that I'm looking forward to next episode. I am too. And so I'm completely prepared to be let down. The entire next <laughs> right. <episode>. Yep. <laughs> yeah. It's going to be a terrible one. Uh, we'll see. We'll see what happens. No, I'm, I'm joking. Of course. I, I thought it was a good episode. I'd say out of five stars, three and a half. Uh, yeah, yeah, I, I would give it, um, because I'm a negative Nancy, I'm going to go ahead and give it a four. Um, because, and by what I mean by that is I think everything else is pretty terrible. If I had to give, let's go ahead and I, I said we wouldn't do this, but let's go ahead. Uh, we're going to rate this on a, uh, 10 point scale, uh, by I guess introducing 0.5s into a five point scale. So, uh, okay. Brian has a score of 3.5. I'll go ahead and give this a 4.0 for this episode. And because we did that, let's go ahead and rate the previous episode. Oh, goodness. Give me a score for that. 1.5? Wow, that's awful. Uh, I didn't enjoy last week's episode, but I'm still going to give it like a 2. I feel like a 1 would be um, the Dance of Dragons. An entire episode devoted to Dorn. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. No, you know, you have two, two and a half. I mean, it, it's still uh, almost every one of these episodes, even if it doesn't do what we want it to do, they're at least generally compelling. Yeah, and let's and caveat even, even this whole bad sc- moments. Yeah, let's caveat this whole scoring system by saying, um, you know, this is better than most of the shit that's on television. So we're not comparing it to other things on television. We're comparing it to uh, itself, I guess. The high point statement. Bold statement, Doug. There's a lot of crap on TV. <laughs> You know, I'm gonna go out. I'm gonna go out on a limb and say, you know, there's a bunch of junk on TV. All right, sure. thanks for listening, guys. Uh, once again, uh, review and rate us on iTunes uh, because it helps somehow. Um, right now, we yeah, have, but give us good ones, even though you resist the urge to yeah. share your true feelings with us. I tell you what, you do. Uh, give us five star reviews and then uh-huh. uh, send us emails at ashamed of thrones at gmail.com and tell us how no awful we are and send all the dip, dick pics you can. Uh, no. No, we will accept all the dick pics. But uh, yeah, review, at least subscribe. I guess it helps us get more exposure um, and that's something we desperately need. We are The MeUndies money isn't uh, stretching as far as it should. Um, Doug, I need Modal. It's the softest fabric there is. I need Modal. But uh, thanks for listening, guys, and we'll see you next week for episode three. Take care, guys. Thanks for listening, and we're sorry. We are sorry.